0: interior psychowski bridge the team is beamed onto the bridge wearing spacesuits to protect them from the lack of oxygen and atmospheric pressure they find the lifeless bodies of the tchaikovsky crew slumped over consoles and scattered across the floor on the viewer scribbled in blood
1: is the phrase zero two b Riker to Enterprise, Captain. They're all dead. But there were 80 people aboard. Yes, I repeat, all dead. Ven conmigo, amigo, hablar y caminar, porque el camino se hace al andar.
0: Ven conmigo, amigo, hablar y caminar, porque el camino se hace al andar.
1: Brother Marcos.
0: Brother James Nogueira.
1: Good talking to you again, my friend. Igual. And today on uh, our little grown-up show and tell, um, I brought in a work in progress. Um, So uh, I I decided to try something new and um, I decided to try something I've I've never done before. I've always wanted to do. I've always been curious about. Um, and that's to write a teleplay. Um, which is like basically like a play right for TV. And it's been pretty challenging. Um, so this teleplay that, um, that I'm working on. Um, that I I shared some with you and I want to share some with the audience. Uh, is called uh, the Naked Down, and it's based on. It's actually a piece of fan fiction uh, because I decided what better way to to start something that I have no experience in than to, um, you know, try at imitation here. Go with a known universe and known characters. Um, so it is based on uh, the TV show um what is it from the i think it started in 87 if i'm not mistaken um and that is star trek the next generation so i think you're you're a fan of tng like i am Are oh you not? yes amen yeah and man. specifically
0: as a middle schooler i was a fan of lieutenant tasha
1: yar <laughs> nice nice uh <laughs> Who did I have a crush on on the show? I mean, I still watch it and I'm, I'm uh, I think, uh, what's her name? Beverly Crusher. I think she's a very beautiful, very beautiful woman. Yes. I have matured in, into team Crusher. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is okay. So there's been, a uh, an evolution in your indeed. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, I, I I also watched some of these episodes as a kid but um I I watched lots of different things lots of different sci-fi shows as a kid and and this is this was not one of those I remember particularly well I think cuz I was I was relatively young um but I started to watch again as an adult um and 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 really appreciate it and and Star Trek is great um TNG in particular I I could watch um an episode um you know any day of the week and uh and it's it's entertaining um despite you know being what like you know 30 or more years old so uh yeah i mean star trek is is has held a a special place um for me and uh the episode that i'm working on or i should say the episode that I based my episode on is uh, a very early episode. Uh, I believe Jonathan Frakes says that uh, <laughs> the, the, the first, maybe the first three seasons or something aren't uh, particularly good. Uh, like they get a lot better. Um, mm. So I'm not gonna vouch for this being the the best episode in the world, but uh, it's it's episode three of the of the of the whole franchise uh season one episode three it's called the naked now Mm -hmm. um and it's actually based on an older episode uh from the original series um and so we both watched that episode um and i'd love to get some of your reaction to it but let me first lay out a little bit of um the premise for this episode this is straight from the, the episode description here on uh on Paramount Plus. So the Naked Down, it says, romance, danger, and chaos result <laughs> when a mysterious contaminant renders the crew of the Enterprise intoxicated. <laughs> so yeah, just let, let's talk about the episode first.
0: Oh my lord. Um, you know, I had seen it, right? And Man, I didn't realize how young I must have been when I saw this cuz I very much associated the show with the 1990s, you know? I didn't realize it it started in it was still Reagan was still president, you know, <laughs> when it started. Yeah. Right? Um I very much yeah, and um and here in here in uh you quote um Jonathan Frakes, he played uh, Riker, right? Or yes. He plays Riker. Um, yeah, that's interesting because it's like, you know, the first three years, that'd be like 87 to 90. And then mm-hmm. if it got its stride in the fourth year, you know, maybe that was to the extent that there is even such a thing as like a, an era of a decade, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like it was kind of a show. They figured out what it was by the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it got good. Yes, I would second that. <laughs> and um yeah, there is a sense that they're still figuring out what it is. It's basically mm-hmm. the first episode, right? Because one and right. one and two was a two-parter, right? And yes. that that could have been a pilot and one-off. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah, the first episode is I'm looking at it now. It's called Encounter at Farpoint um and, uh, yeah, that's an interesting episode too. Um, I believe, am I mistaken? Is that uh, Q? we, we ask yeah. Q yeah, it introduces Q. And uh, uh, great character and uh, this godlike being. I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably have seen Star Trek, but um, <laughs> but I also want to describe it for non Um And then I believe like humanity is being judged by this like omnipotent being. Mm-hmm. Um, Q. So, yeah, you're right. So this is like, so episode three really is kind of like the first, like actual, uh, like regular episode.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And presumably, you know, there was some interval in between in terms of the production, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not because it was being made for syndication, but, you know, in many cases you'd make a pilot. And then if it gets picked up, you get the band back together. Yeah, that's a great and, point, yeah. Yeah. And right. and 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 like in the original series, you know, when they came back they had a different
1: captain. Yeah, I have I to think. admit I didn't watch the the original the original series. I've caught a few episodes, but um I'm 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 ignorant when it comes to the original season. Okay, yeah. Or, or well, it's
0: it's far more uneven than um the next generation. I've tried to go back and watch it, and yeah, <laughs> it's not always
1: that good. Um, OK, so let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, particulars of this episode, maybe real quick, if there's anything here that you want to talk about. But um, the the premise is that um, there is this research vessel called the Tselkowski, um conducting research on a collapsing star. Um, they the enterprise has been receiving strange um distress signals from the the craft they go in to investigate um and uh several things happen but uh what is revealed is there's some sort of virus uh contaminant something happening aboard the science vessel that um, finds its way onto the enterprise and uh the crew again i haven't seen um the original series episode, also called The Naked Now, for which this episode um, is based on. So, my, so it's kind of funny, my teleplay is based on an episode that's based on an episode. Um, so, I'm like several, we're several layers deep into uh, the matrix here. This is like Inception or something. <laughs> I, I Asi es el folklore yes, yes, and and that is somewhat, and I do play around with that a little bit, um mm-hmm. by referring to parallel worlds and so on, but uh but anyway, um yeah i I agree with you that this first season a, at the very least, they're trying to figure out what the show actually is, you know, like um, I think data is still very stiff, um, no pun intended for what happens later in the episode, but. Uh, <laughs> But,, uh, yeah, the characters are just very, very a um, little bit flat, um, and they 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 haven't come come into their own yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there, there's some there's some really funny there's some really funny parts uh, here. So I think the main thing that I wanted to talk about is is just that that is the original premise, right? It's like the characters are intoxicated um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, people, the, the crew become very wild, right? And, uh, and, and so the naked now, the title is a little bit, um, I've always found it to be a little bit, um, salacious, a little bit click baby before maybe there was a (laughs) a click Mm -hmm. baby uh, thing. That is the original premise. What I do in, uh in my own um, piece, The Naked Down, is um, I alter the what the contaminant actually does. Um, mm-hmm. And so in this case, um, in, in The Naked Now, everybody is, um, I guess, drunk. So people, some people are more sexual, they're less inhibited, uh, maybe they're more playful or whatever. Yeah, what I do is, um, <laughs> uh, maybe in classic, uh, Gymnog fashion, um, I just make everyone really depressed, um, and uh, and existential, and so they are questioning existence itself, um, mm-hmm. and and what reason there is to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's the setup for um, for what I'm about to read. Um, I think what I'd like to do is is to is to do a little bit of reading. Uh, some sections from the work Mm -hmm. for the audience. Um, What do you think? We can jump right into that. Or if you want to comment on anything I've said so far, you can feel free to do that. Thank you. I
0: think I'd just like to say that when I read the, so I read your remix, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Before going back to watch this episode that I probably haven't seen in, over a decade. When I was first thinking, oh yeah, that's, that's Jim. He's, he's looking at, at sad, Um, (laughs) sad in space, space. Uh, (laughs) um, And, and, but then as I read it, I was, I thought of, I thought of bonobos (laughs) when, when, when Tasha, you know, Tasha's down feeling leads her to desire intimacy, you know, an erotic intimacy. And I thought of um, this uh, observation that that wasn't well known, um, you know, when the original series was made or maybe even when Next Generation was made, um, that bonobos among our closest Primate cousins, you know, are really similar to chimpanzees, uh, Mm -hmm. but but one of their social differences is in how sexual intimacy is pro-social. Yes. You know, fundamentally pro-social in and part of part of how um, they they bond and And resolve conflict and, and all sorts of things. Yeah. right. And at where, where in their closely related counterparts, uh, it's more likely to lead to a, a degree of violence, a degree, a degree of physical, uh, confrontation. And I think I've even heard, uh, scientists use the concept of war among chimpanzees. That might be,
1: that might not, that might not really be science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read, you know, me, I'm very interested in this topic. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you could, you could say that. Sure. Wow. Okay. And so,
0: yeah, I know I recently read a primatologist using the term that the, the, using the phrase that you could see the bonobo pro-social sexuality um, as basically being a make love, not war strategy, right? Yeah. You know, and, and then, so, so I, as I read it, I was, this just seemed plausible and this seemed compassionate. And it wasn't the only way that people reacted to this sudden, um, feeling of, uh, sudden exposure to negative feelings, to to depression, you know, sudden vulnerability to it. But, but it was, it was one of, in general, the way that people reacted was seemed plausible and it seemed tied to a compassionate take on what it means to live uh, as human beings who are a combination of emotion and intellect, right? And, And as cool. And then watching back to the original episode, I was struck by how the difference wasn't then just that you looked at one at like specific emotional experience, you know, rather than just like vague sense of being intoxicated in the original. The the difference comes off eventually, I think, being just a lot more, a lot more humane, a lot more human <laughs> positive. I think one of the problems with the Trek mythos is that they have this kind of idea, uh, optimistic view of the future where our, some of our basic problems are solved, but they don't tackle how, you know, we've just, we just stopped being concerned about, uh, money, you know, rather than this is how money was put to work, uh, and, and then how we got past it or something like that, you know, and it's similar in terms of, emotion and yeah, passions in general, there's just a sense that, oh, we're, ju- we're just beyond that, or rather than a sense of really going through the emotional work to, to get to an agency and intentionality that's supported, that's on a, on a superstructure of, you know, that's on a scaffolding
1: of psychology and emotion. Hmm yeah, there's there's a lot there. Um, I just want to say that um, what you said just reminded me of the fact that I, I have a strong uh, a stronger admiration for what these writers, what these show writers um, are doing because they have to write really good script, really good scripts for like this episodic um, narrative. Mm -hmm. okay so like you know every episode of star trek uh certainly the next generation with the exception of like two parters um has this episodic nature where at the end of the episode we're back at square one you know Mm -hmm. it's like so and and you know you have to interest the audience there has to be like stakes involved um Mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of a running joke like they almost die like almost every episode. You know? <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's just, it's amazing that they still want to be there. Um, that's part of what inspires so <laughs> my My script too, is um, at some point you have to think like, what's the point? You know, like we keep fighting this thing. It's like, well, and so there's this moment at the end where, where data kind of, in my script, uh, comes to that conclusion. And so, what the writers are trying to do within this whatever it is forty five minute um, you know time frame uh, to allow for commercials or whatever, um, it's it's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult to like go deep on a particular issue, you know in forty five minutes, and then have enough tension uh, to interest everyone, uh, put everyone in some sort of credible risk. While talking about a future that hasn't happened yet, that's believable, um, and uh, and have it all kind of resolve by the end. It's it's hard work. I'm not a huge fan of of the first season, and uh, and I think uh, you know let's also uh, be considerate and understanding that this this episode is uh, like well over three decades old, and and there are some really beautiful. Uh, contemporary um, Star Trek's happening. Um, I really enjoyed the final season of uh, Picard. I thought that was that was beautiful. It was it was really well done. And I really enjoyed the second season of Strange New Worlds. Uh, and and I think Discovery is the best Trek ever. Um, and and I haven't watched Discovery and and I, and I will because of okay your recommendation and what a lot cool. of people are saying. I know it has a big following. And so uh, let's dive into it. Um, I'm going to start with the teaser, right? This is the very first uh, section of a typical Star Trek episode. Many TV series start like this. They start with a teaser. Um, You can think of this as like an intention getter. It sets up the premise, uh, the drama. Uh, It it tends to end on on a cliffhanger, a dramatic note. Um... And uh, basically entices you to to keep uh, to keep watching. All right, so what we're going to do, let me just explain how we're going to do this here. Um, uh, uh, Marcos and I will read um, this script aloud um, and I'll do my best to. Be to to encapsulate these these characters and their personalities, Uh, I don't have uh, theater training. So, bear with me.
0: Star Trek, The Next Generation, The Naked Down. Teaser, fade in. Space, exterior, Enterprise. Racing through space at warp speed.
1: Captain's log, Stardate 41202.9. We are running at warp seven to rendezvous with the science vessel SS Tsiolkovsky exterior white dwarf
0: with the ss stelkowski in orbit then the enterprise appears and moves in to join the research vessel
1: which has been routinely monitoring the collapse of a red supergiant star into a white dwarf what has brought us here is a series of strange messages indicating something has gone wrong aboard the research vessel
0: Interior, Main Bridge. All regulars on duty. Data at Ops, Jordy at Con, Tasha and Worf upstage intent on Main Viewer, which shows the Enterprise moving in parallel with the research vessel.
1: Captain, we're getting a response from the Sokovsky. Audio only. Captain
0: Picard signals at Riker, who activates the communications channel.
2: Enterprise. We thought you wouldn't come.
0: Captain Picard exchanges concerned glances with his
1: officers. Understood, we're here to assist you. Stand by, Tsiolkovsky.
0: Exterior, space, Tsiolkovsky. Exterior hatch suddenly blows open with a burst of energy, sending debris scattering into space. Interior, bridge.
1: Captain, what we just heard is Impossible. I believe that last sound was an emergency hatch being blown. Are you certain? Of course you are. Captain, sensors indicate no life signs aboard. We must find out what happened here. Picard nods at Riker, who
0: nods back and starts to move. Data, LaForge, Yar, you're with me. Interior, Psykowski corridors. Riker, Data, Geordi, and Tasha beam aboard, they cautiously make their way through the darkened corridors. Signs of chaos and disarray are evident. They come across a recently deceased crew member. A body. Jordy approaches the dead crew member, lying prone on the ground a few yards away. There's something in his hand. Jordy pries open the man's hand, revealing an array of pills.
1: It's pills. Looks like he did it to himself. Riker, this only adds to the mystery. We must keep searching the ship for an answer.
0: Interior, Psykowski crew quarters. The team proceeds to search the crew's quarters. The room is dimly lit and personal belongings are strewn about. Riker notices another deceased crew member standing in the shower,
1: fully clothed. Take a look at this. It seems someone was showering with their clothes on. Jordy, That doesn't seem right. Data. This behavior suggests a psychological disturbance. Riker, But what could have caused such a shift in their psychology? Tasha. Sir, their personal logs might reveal more about what happened to these people. Agreed. Let's be thorough about it.
0: As they search, they come across the personal journals and belongings of the deceased crew members. Tasha flips through one of the journals.
1: These entries, they speak of a deep despair, a profound sense of hopelessness. I concur with Lieutenant Yard. Their emotional states were severely compromised. Riker, this isn't just a tragedy, it's something more.
0: Interior, Sikowski Bridge. The team is beamed onto the bridge, wearing spacesuits to protect them from the lack of oxygen and atmospheric pressure. They find the lifeless bodies of the Tchaikovsky crew slumped over consoles and scattered across the floor. On the viewer, scribbled in blood, is the phrase "Zero
1: 2 b Record to Enterprise. Captain, they're all dead. But there were eighty people aboard. Yes, I repeat, all dead. All right, my friend. Uh how about some commentary on on that teaser? Um, please be gentle. It is it is a first draft.
0: Uh, no, it's all good. I mean, you know, the main thing that's interesting here is is these divergent choices that you're making. I I mean like the whole way that like this is written is kind of fun, you know, um, to, to experience, um, and it's really interesting to hear these like familiar characters start out in the situation that was written for them. And then they're saying different words, (laughs) you know, um, and, uh, but it still sounds like them. So I think you're, you're succeeding, you know, the characters still sound, recognizable and plausible Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah as as we know them from from the series and I I like that it's it's more of an emotional focus and not just um, not just action or plot yeah not just like the visual shocks in the episode Mm -hmm. it's mostly about the visual shocks you know and then but but also with like there's a puritanical sub subtext you know, these people uh, were done in by mm-hmm. their their flesh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And
0: and 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 they were just seeking pleasure, and yes. it led
1: it led to ruin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Many like many uh, a story, it it has a certain antecedent, right? As a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely picked up on that. Um, I I guess you can think of my this script as a as a kind of response to that episode. Um, it, I used it as inspiration to answer or try to answer some existential questions um, that you know. Well, as a writer, I tend to come back to. Mm. Um, I just think that the fact that we die is one of the more interesting facts about us mm. and, uh, and 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 just how we derive meaning in a universe that at the very least for many people i'll just say seems meaningless or uh, or at least i shouldn't say meaningless or, or rather there doesn't seem for many people to be an an innate uh meaning to things, you know, like mm-hmm. they might not believe in fate or or God or um you know this idea that th- everything happens for a reason. Um, and that's the universe in which um, we are in in this uh, script. So if I can just ask some specific questions, um as you can see, this script has, uh, Words that are slightly altered. Uh, I tried to whenever I could, keep it very similar to the original. So some of the things that the characters say are exactly what they say in mm-hmm. the original. You know the the teaser does end like that, you know, Riker saying, you know, uh, to the captain uh, in very dramatic fashion with the with the uh, swelling music and everything, the dramatic music. Yes, I repeat, they're all dead. And then, you know, Picard, there's like a close-up of Picard's face, you know. Um, and so it's it's a mix of trying to be faithful to the inspiration, but also um, being free to do my own thing. And that was a difficult thing to balance. Um, what about this this image, right, where they get to the bridge and the bridge is like very different, right? Because this seems to be like almost the scene of the crime. And... Um, you know, they go there and you know, scribbled in blood. You know, is the phrase um, or or the the symbols uh, zero to be. Um, I'm just curious, what did you think about that? Um, the well, first off, did you understand the symbology there? Um, and then, secondly, how well do you think it sets up the the premise for for the for the episode. Well, I mean,
0: I thought it was evocative as I reflect back on and uh, a strong image. I as I reflect back, I realize I didn't question how it, how there came to be blood available to, scri- <laughs> to scribble things with. Okay. Uh, now, yeah, I I guess as I think about it, does I was saying so now I was thinking does that apply violence. Um, mm-hmm. It okay. pro- probably more implies, well, it does imply violence, but it probably scans with um, like self harm. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And so zero two could be um, oxygen, right? And, uh, or that's like O2, right? Um, mm-hmm. Oxygen molecule. That's fascinating and uh yeah so they're in a space without oxygen um and apart from that i thought about uh to to be or not to be yes
1: so how would like a british person like you know patrick stewart how would he read that would he read it zero to be i think he would read it not to be yeah, that's exactly what what I was trying to what I was trying to get at there. And um, uh, you know me, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Shakespeare and the and and Hamlet. And I think that the you know to be or not to be is, is a great question. And there are references throughout to the soliloquy, and and to the the question in general. So this sets up the 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 sort of existential crisis, and people are reacting to it in different ways. And some of them seek other people because as as people i think you sing this line in one of your songs because what do you say people need people
0: it's from i think it's from magazine dream right yeah Uh, yeah so yeah sure i'll just quote it in context uh the song opens with so this is like referring to magazines you can count on Cosmo to have the word "sex" on the cover. You can count on Men's Health to help you get rock hard abs. And I read People because I'm a person who needs people. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And that is meta, though. I see it folklore, such as folklore, um, because that is a reference to a song from the musical Funny Girl. Uh, that Barbara Streisand had like a pop hit what, with um, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Something like that is the original line.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and one way to sort of compare um, is to say that in a sense, a magazine cover is trying to pitch to you a reason to live, you know, a, yeah. cer- a certain framework of, okay, life is worthwhile because you can get rock hard apps or... <laughs> Etc. you know
1: okay so uh th- there's there's more to the script so i think let's dive into the second section that i would like to uh, to read or mm-hmm. for us to read let me set up the scene first um some key things to to just uh to just know um this is in act three uh we just read the teaser right after the teasers are all the acts there are five acts and towards the end of act one, Geordi um, kind of locks himself in one of the holodecks, and uh, and they can't get him out. And um, he runs this program. Uh, the program is called um, Leah at Milliways, And the sci-fi nerds are really going to get <laughs> that reference. Milly Ways is uh, is a restaurant, it's the restaurant in the Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sequel, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Um, and I just did that for fun. It's it's it, There's no greater significance than that. I just thought it'd be fun to put Milly Ways there. They're in a restaurant in space. And um, and Leah Brahms is, is a female scientist. Um, there are episodes where Jodie has a thing for for Leia Brahms. And for further context, and and this is a little bit of criticism at this show, and I feel more comfortable saying it now that I've heard uh, the actor, Lavar Burton, talk about this. Um, and that said, it was how do, how do I put it? Um, Jodie gets no love. You know, mm, um, mm. he's like the science nerd, he's the geek, he's the workaholic, you know, uh, he's the smart guy, but there's there are hardly any episodes uh, where he is, uh, where he gets his love story. Um, mm. And so there, there is one that I saw with with um, there are other episodes with Leia Brahms. She is a recurring character, but it's it's an unrequited love. And so Geordi, feeling this existential angst, runs into the holodeck and is sitting with Leia Brahms in this imaginary setting, and they're seated at a table, and he really needs to talk to her.
0: Interior, holodeck, a restaurant in space. Geordi and Brahms sit at a table, engaged in an intimate conversation.
2: I wonder if
1: you feel the same. We've known each other for a long time, but I never told you how I feel. I guess I was afraid to.
2: Don't be, Jordy. I'm here. You can tell me anything. Can I? Yes. We're friends. What else are friends for? Friends.
0: He reaches out his hand and touches hers.
2: Leah, look at me. Your hand is cold, Jordy.
1: I know. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I think it's helped me realize something. I have to tell you how I feel. Jordy pauses for emphasis. Leia, I love you. It's like I've known for a long time. I feel helpless around you, like a child yearning for his mother's approval. Leia, be with me. I promise I'd make you happy. It would matter more to me than anything. More than myself. She considers deeply. You are a remarkable person, Jordi. You are very dear to me. But you know that I'm married. I can't.
0: Jordi releases Brahms' hand and sits back. He rubs his arms for warmth.
1: I have to say, I kind of expected that. I'm that kind of guy. No love stories for Jordi. I'm just here in engineering. Smart? Yes. Hardworking? Yes. But love? Nope, that's not for Jordi. What kind of life is that? Why live? No, it seems meaningless, like everything else. Why not end the farce?
2: Jordi, it's natural to question existence without the meaning love provides. Life can feel uncertain and challenging without it but there are other kinds of love that also provide profound meaning. There's the love of friendships, of family, of pursuing your passions and of helping others. You've always been so selfless, Jordi, dedicating yourself to your job. You help provide meaning for others. Wesley looks up to you, and Data considers you a close friend. And you mean so much to me. Leah. Your
1: words move me. It's just sometimes I feel so, so alone. As much as you might care for me, you can't feel what I feel. You can't cry my tears for me.
0: Tiny tears fall from Jordi's eyes. Brahms reaches out with her hand, the same he'd grabbed, to touch Jordi's hand anew.
2: No, I can't but I can see your tears and hear your words. I can express my sincere concern for you. I can be here for you when the world is dark and cold. You are never alone, not on this ship, even if it takes time for you to see it.
0: She smiles and Jordy sees her
1: sincerity. To see it? Yeah, I've always had trouble with that. Comments. Ah,
0: mm, uh, no, it's nice. Um, what, what, what is it to feel love, and how does is that the same as, or is that different from feeling emotional pain, and seeing, and wanting relief from it, and and seeing, you know, a feeling. Uh, tying that to feelings of of desire, that being tied to feelings of desire.
1: Yeah. On On the one hand, he's he's seeking out seeking her out in in kind of a selfish, um, in part selfishly because he well he wants to feel better. He wants to relieve the um, the, the 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 anxiety and then the fear and depression that he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wanted to make Jordy sincere in, um, in his feelings for Brahms. Mm. Um, and in this in this script, this version, Jordy, I think, is really. For whatever it's worth or wh- whatever is true for Jordy, it is that he loves Brahms. Um, he is in love with her as much as he can understand love at this time, right? Because he mm-hmm. hasn't really fallen in love in a mutual love uh, before, and so um, to him it is very much love. so that's one aspect of this. Um, what was also important to me and and this scene is um getting at the heart of um what what is the existential crisis for Geordi? And it's not just that he has he doesn't have a love, a requited love, but um, but the but the meaning behind it, and that he's failing to see all of the meaning he's already built up in his selfless um, striving uh, in himself to 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 work hard at his job and to be there for others. She's trying to say, like, you already have this deep, profound meaning and maybe you're, you know, you just you're not seeing it right now. And obviously that's a pawn on, on the fact that that Geordie is, is blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of this also reflects some conversations that we've had about, um, you know, to, to what extent are we alone? To what extent are we never alone? Um, and, and how right. is that important? and creating meaning in life.
2: Hmm.
1: And, uh, and, and some of that is answered here. Um, it's it subjectively, Jordi, as he says, right? Um, Sometimes I feel so, so alone. And as much as you might care for me, you can't feel what I feel. You can't cry my tears for me. And that's a very real thing. Um, and it, it underscores this isolation that feels very real. Uh, it's it felt very real for me when I had depression, and I think it feels very real for lots of people. Um, mm-hmm. And Brahms is answering that, you know it's it's, you know, to borrow a phrase you've used, it's like an existentialist uh, uh, gospel she is speaking. Mm. Um, and she's saying, mm. you know um, she's saying she's saying that you're never alone, right? Even though I cannot feel what you feel or or, or you know i can but i can see what you feel i can hear what you feel and you can hear and feel what i feel or, or at least mm. you can hear my expression of it and so um mm. and then this idea that they are on a ship you know they're uh they're a community and mm. um and so the thing that's kind of fighting against and providing some meaning for geordie here is is, is people geordie is a person like you who, who needs people. <laughs> what do you think? Did you pick up on that? Well, you wanna res- just that respawn? that one other
0: layer that it's all a, a tech that in, well, that this is at least two layers of, of illusion, right? So the scene is taking place in a holodeck, right? Which right. is based on this <laughs> so that it's a technological illusion. Um and it, but it's arriving and it's arriving to us uh, through through fiction,
2: mm.
0: you know. Yep. So, so at a most basic level, he's. If you let go of both of those mediations, you know. He's. Employing imagination. To address these emotions. He's borrowing. He's borrowing the computer's imagination.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. He's 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 borrowing uh, the things these things because he 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 can't because he can't see them. He cannot see the 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 people who are there.
0: Well, Um, and and he can't declare his love for a married woman without doing some kind
1: of harm yeah that's just Geordie just being um, desperately human, I think in that moment. and yeah, and Geordie being cautious,
0: you know engineers and that that scans with real engineers, you know um, uh, right um, in carpentry, they say measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. in engineering it's that uh, multiplied by by a factor, you know uh,
1: a high factor, right. So maybe it's not multiply. Maybe it's an exponent.
0: Yes, it's an exponent. <laughs>
1: Good. All right. Great. All right. Let's uh, dive into the last section. This will, I think, uh, it, it'll it'll show kind of what I'm I'm driving at um, in this piece uh, for the viewer or the the listener. Actually, uh, just keep in mind that uh, the last time we see Jordy is is in this scene. Um, um. Before he shows up at uh, when uh, he shows up in and what what we're about to read, and so uh, Jordy locks himself in the holodeck. He is having these existential questions, and he seems to receive uh, maybe an answer to these things. And so he's different from the others in that yeah, he's the first guy to get uh, infected but he might be the first person who gets a kind of answer um, and then that becomes important later so there's a collapsing star and the enterprise needs to get the hell out of there because um, the collapsing star is going to eject um, stellar material that could destroy the enterprise Uh, but they can't do that because um, the young brilliant Uh, Wesley Crusher, um, has uh, almost barricaded himself in in, in a section of of engineering um, using like this force field that he created from this uh, this repulsor beam thing that he created for like a science project. And so he's in there. Um, Eventually, Riker and the chief uh, engineer, McDougal, are able to short the power to the door they get into engineering and uh and now it's a race against time to reassemble these isolinear chips whatever the hell that even means um, <laughs> back into the ship in the right order which apparently only data can do uh before um, they all get like blown up so that's the that's the setup here
0: Interior engineering. Data is rapidly reassembling the chips. Then he abruptly stops. Everyone notices.
1: Riker. Data. Sir, to put it one way, I don't see the point. There doesn't appear to be one for any of this. The universe is without meaning. Data. We'll all die. Correction, sir. We will all die at some point would it not be better to enjoy the time we have left? Perhaps you would all enjoy some poetry. Here's one of my favorites. Jordy shows up with a sweater on. Data, perhaps now is not the best time for poetry. Jordy? No time for pleasantries, Data. Right now, you have a very important task. We're all counting on you. You are part of why I'm here, why I choose to be. So, There's no sense in all of us dying without trying our best to be there for each other. What are friends for? It appears I do not have time to answer such an abstract question, sir. Oh, I see, it's rhetorical. Yes, what are friends for? To be there for each other.
0: Jordy nods and Data begins working on the chips again, this time much
1: faster. Riker, we're not going to make it if we only had an extra minute or so. Wesley is working at a console trying to see the
0: solution in his head.
1: Yes, then reversing power leads back through repulsor beam hard against Tsiolkovsky.
0: On the viewer, we see the tractor beam becomes a repulsor beam. The Selkowski is pushed off from the Enterprise on a crash course with debris from the collapsing star.
1: Don't you see? It's giving us a push-off. The extra time we need.
0: Riker. We're pushing away. The Saikovsky blows up upon crashing into the debris. However, the debris, slowed momentarily, continues on its path toward the Enterprise. Picard appears. I have the cure, but I fear the worst. Data finishes assembling the chips. Power is restored. Riker. Bridge, engage engines. engines. The Enterprise warps out of danger. Interior, bridge. Picard, Riker, and Geordie arrive on the bridge.
1: Congratulations,
0: sir. To many people. Tasha and Troy walk onto the bridge from the turbo lift. Tasha makes awkward eye contact with Data. She then approaches him.
1: Data, I just will say this once. It never happened.
0: Data appears confused.
1: Ricard, Jordi, and Riker take their seats. I put it to you all. I think we shall end up with a fine crew. If we work together, trust each other, and share a common purpose. There will be dark times ahead. But together, we are stronger than we are alone. The crew looks uncertain, but hopeful. Number one, let's go where no one has gone before. Aye, sir. Help. Prepare for warp three, heading two nine four mark three seven. Warp three, heading two nine four mark three seven, sir. Engage. Exterior space. Ship
0: warps away brightly into the vast blackness. Fade out.
1: Dun <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so that was the last scene there. Uh, it is a first draft. There are some similarities here with the original, but in the original, Data does, uh, or sorry, uh, Jordy doesn't show up to save the day here. Um, it's it's more or less Data, but there you know there do, there doesn't seem to have been that much of a like meaning behind it. I, I think what happens is. If I remember correctly, I think uh, Picard shows up, inoculates data, and then data is able to put in the chips like a little bit faster. And then that kind of saves the day. I wanted to make it a bit more meaningful. And so Geordi comes back and uh, having received meaning and symbolically wearing a sweater because he's kind of overcome this thing without Mm. the need of inoculation, right? Because that's part of my point is. He doesn't need the inoculation because, you know, it's about meaning. And so that's internal. Mm. And so he comes back and, and he provides meaning for Data and it's in their friendship. And Data realizes, you know, hey, I mean, maybe the universe has no meaning, but, you know, our friendship is meaningful. And so my friend wants me to do this. So I will do this. If the world seems cold, put on a sweater. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a good quote. <laughs> yeah, I like how you bring back the phrase what are friends for and it has it has a richer meaning and it and it seems yeah, it seems within the range of Jordy as a character and well, I think a great starting place as a writer as a creative person is to start from things other people's creativity that have inspired us and address a problem with it so yeah that's very much what you're practicing in this speculative
1: and philosophical fanfic fanfiction is a great place to work out problems that you might have with a series that you really like because it allows you to you know um try it yourself and like me, you can be humbled in the practice and realize, oh, well, wait a second. I mean, yeah, they could have done better. And okay, maybe, you know, all the science doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> but, you know, you try it, you know, you try doing, you know, a 45-minute, uh, you know, episode that kind of brings, like, interests the reader enough, uh, has enough stakes, and then comes back basically full circle at the end, um, exploring deep meaning in this fictional universe, uh, hundreds of years in in the future, make all the science make sense, develop all the characters. Um, This has been, this has been very challenging um, because there are several characters here and I want them, uh, maybe not all, but uh, most of them to have their own individual answers to this existential question, you know, to be or not to be. And and so Jordy, I feel like maybe was more developed. Um, he has one, and uh, and and Data has one through Jordi. Um There are scenes with Picard and Beverly where they have their love, um, their kind of I don't know, I guess inappropriate love because they uh, they 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 work together on the Enterprise, and you know um, Beverly is the, the chief medical officer, and she kind of works under Picard. Uh, but nevertheless, there is uh, the, these feelings that they have. Yeah, yeah. This was this was uh, a lot of fun. Um, I will release this um, to the public um, for free. You should be able to read it. This is fan fiction. I can't really charge. It's not it's not my universe, but I did this for fun. And uh, if you enjoy Star Trek, uh, these characters uh, as much as I do, as much as Marcos does, I hope that you enjoy the story. And feel free to share your comments. I'm sure the story could be better, right? But I think that this, the, the constraint is an interesting, it's an interesting thing to work inside of uh, these, these constraints of, of being, you know, a TV writer. Mm. So much respect to the TV writers. Um, Solidarity strong. The, yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, Sure. We, yes, this definitely deepens our respect for for your work. Making the path by walking, it's a joy to to walk through one of your projects and and see your thought process, your creative process.